Love Thy. But we're, we're kicking off a three-week series called Love Thy. And basically, we're going we're gonna to talk about loving God, loving your neighbor, and loving your enemy. It's where we're going in these three weeks. Um, so tonight, we're going to start very simple with Love Thy Lord. And that's my message title tonight. Real simple, Love Thy Lord. And in this series, we're going to cover from the most important commandment to what I believe is the most intimidating commandment. So we're talking about the most important commandment and then um, the most intimidating commandment. And tonight we're going to start with the most important. And you're, you're going to see why it is the most important because Jesus said it was the most important commandment. And if Jesus said it, I mean, it's true, right? If Jesus said this is the most important commandment, we should be like, I think I'm going to pay attention to this one. If Jesus, like, you know, in class, like, or, or probably tonight when I'm, I'm preaching at some point, I'll be like, hey, listen, this is, if you don't get anything else, Get this, right? Jesus breaks it down for us. Jesus says this is the most important commandment. And in this, we learn some of the key ways to live like Jesus. And the God of the Bible is different than all other religion and ideas because the center of his ways and teachings and even goals is love. That, 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 that Jesus in his, in his teaching and in his philosophy and his way of living and his action, his chief idea is love. But it's not a, it's not a temporary love. It's not a world-like love that is here for a moment and gone the next. It, it is a perfect love that really we could spend all of our life trying to unpack what it means to love God and to love people and to even love our enemies. And so we're, we're going to talk, especially in this Christmas season, as it's like the season of, of generosity and cheerfulness and like Christian Christmas songs on the radio and in Target and like all of these things. It's, it's really easy for us to get caught up in self during this time. And so we're going to talk about what it means to love. Tonight, talking about loving God. Matthew 22, beginning in verse 34. It reads like this, but, everyone say but. but, when the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, and they were so sad, you see. All right, moving on. He had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him, Jesus, a question, testing him, saying, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? What's the, what's the most important one? And Jesus answered and said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And then he says, And the second is like it. And we'll talk about this more next week, but I want, want to read it tonight. He says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So now, ba basically Jesus is being tested by a lawyer or in, in other parts of scripture they call him a scribe. And this lawyer or the scribe would have been half theologian and half lawyer. Because you have to understand in their uh, time period and in Israel, their law was based upon scripture. So in order for you to be a lawyer, you would have to know the Bible cover to cover. 
right? It's not like today where you go to law school and you learn these things. Like basically your law degree would be in studying and understanding the Bible. So this lawyer, he knows the law. He, he, he's got it memorized. He gets it. He understands it. He comes to Jesus with a question. He comes to Jesus with a test and he says, Jesus, what do you say is the most important commandment? Now, this man would, again, spend his life studying scripture and he wanted Jesus to boil it down because in his law book or in his scripture, there were 613 commandments, right? We think of commandments, we think of like the 10. Those are like the, those are like the greatest hits, a top 10, these are like, these are good big ones. But there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament in the Torah. And so this man, he would have them all memorized. And could you imagine knowing or memorizing 613 commandments? There was 248 positive commands, like thou shalt do. And then there was 365 negative commands, thou shalt not do. Right, So it's all of these commandments, you're studying them, you're learning them, do this, don't do that, make sure you do this, make sure you never do that, don't say this, don't do that. And just being like, whoa, that's a lot. Feeling overwhelmed, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy. And so he comes to Jesus and he's like, could you like boil it down? Could you break it down to like, if there was just one? <laughs> I love that. This is, there's 613, I know it, we get it, you know it. What about what if there was one, one commandment that we could boil it down that I could sort of hang my hat on? What would that be? And he wants to know what Jesus thinks matters the most. Now, this question that he is asking, what is the greatest commandment? This is the modern day question of what is the meaning of life? That's what he's asking. He's saying, if you could boil down my entire existence, because me as a follower of God in my time as a Hebrew, I understand that I am supposed to live my life by the Torah. I'm supposed to understand and know and live my life by the law of God. So what is, if you could boil it down, if you could break it down, what is the meaning of life? And isn't that an important question for us to ask? Isn't that a question that probably many of us have asked? What is the meaning of life or, or why am I here? Or Because or, sometimes we ask that in like a general sense, like what's the meaning of life existence as a whole? But then we, we personalize it and like what's the meaning of my life? What is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? And so he's asking this question, what is the meaning of life? Why do I exist? Jesus answers it, right? He says, love God. He says, you want me to boil it down for you? above anything else, this is the most important commandment. He says, love God. And then he says, and the second is like it. I love Jesus. You ask him for one answer, he gives you two. He's like, this, let, let me, there's some stories in the Bible, I love it. People will ask Jesus a question. He will ignore their question, tell them a story, and then ask them a question. It's like classic Jesus. You're like, that's not really how it works. He's like, like Jedi, like just moves. He's like, you, you wanna ask me a question? That is not the question you're asking. This is the question I'm asking. So they ask him a question. He, he responds and gives him two answers. He says, love God. And then he says, and the second is like it, love people. And I love at the end, he says, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. Basically, what he's saying is if you can do these two things, if you can love God and if you can love people, all of the other commandments fall underneath that umbrella. 
If you can love God with all your heart, and if you can love your neighbor as yourself, all of the rest are going to fall under these things. Now, with this idea of loving God, I want to answer basically three questions on this idea. Three questions, what, how, and why? What, how, and why? First point, also my message title is this, the what is love thy Lord. So the question, very simply, is what's the meaning of life? What is the greatest commandment? Why am I here? And Jesus responds, he says, love thy Lord. Jesus' answer to the Lord is simple, just love God. You want to know the meaning of life? Just love God. Now, Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is an Old Testament book, and he is quoting almost word for word. I say almost on purpose because it's not quite word for word. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, and this, it says this. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and 5, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then ready? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So Jesus is quoting this, the Lord our God. He begins, he, he leaves out that part, but he says in the text in Deuteronomy, he says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The idea of that first part, hero Israel is like, pay attention. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. It, the idea is that there is one God and there is no one like the Lord God. So the beginning of that command is, is, is there is one God and there is no one like a God. It could literally be translated, Yahweh stands alone. That the God of the Bible, the God that we worship, the God of Scripture, he stands alone. There's no one like him. There's no equal. There's no rival. There's no comparison. There's no opposite. There is God and he alone. Right? God, there's, there's no one like God. And in a world, I think, in their world of polytheism, which is multiple God worship, um, the worship of multiple gods or everything as God, they are declaring, the people of Scripture are declaring that God is the one true God. And already Jesus in his response is, is declaring the uniqueness and the supremacy of God. And when you say, when we say, I love God, Right? And hopefully we can, we can establish in our heart that we do love God. If you say you love God, it is a recognition that he is the only God. We live in a world not necessarily of multiple gods. We live in a world with a lot of different religions. But we don't live in a world of, of polytheism in the sense of people worship multiple gods. Because back in the day, like in their time, there would be people that would under one religion would worship all sorts of gods, or they would make everything a god. They'd be like, the sun is nice, that's a god now. And they'd be like, oh, the rain is crazy, there's a god now. And like the moon, we got to give the moon credit, like the moon's a god now too. And, and so everything or everyone was a god. We don't necessarily live in a world of multiple gods, but anything is god in our world. Meaning we will make very quickly something or someone or some idea god. And, and in our world, all ways or all ideas lead to God. To love God is to declare that he alone is God. To love God is to declare that he alone is God. And the word love that's used in the original Hebrew, because when Jesus said it or in the New Testament, it's a different, uh, when you read it, it's a different translation or a different language but what Jesus would have said and what was originally said in Deuteronomy um, the word 
is, is a word that would describe, in a sense, a romantic love. Now follow me for a second. So when, when it says to love the Lord God, it would describe, in a sense, a romantic love. But it's not a romantic love in the sense of like a crush. Like, oh, I, I love, I, I love him. <laughs> You're like. It, it's, 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 it's not a romantic love like a crush. The idea of love, it, it speaks of a commitment. It's like, it's, I don't really like using this, this phrase, so forgive me for saying it, but it's like the idea of a soulmate. I know it's super cheesy, and I apologize for even saying it, but it's, this, it's kind of that idea where it's, it's a commitment, and the, the, that's why scripture, or the idea is that we would love God above all else, and we won't leave, is the idea. The idea of loving God is like a committed love. It's not a love that like I feel for a little while and then it, it fades away, that it's fickle. Like when the feelings were there and the butterflies were there and like everything was fun and like we were going on movie dates and stuff, like I love them. I love God. But then when times get hard or the feelings are God, gone or I don't understand or things like that, it's a committed love. It's a love that won't leave. That's why the scripture says that God is a jealous God. Literally, when you're saying love God, it means I'm going to love God and I'm not going to cheat on him. I'm not going to cheat on him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love God with, with everything. And he says, he says, what's the greatest commandment? It's to love God. It's to love God and be committed to God because God is committed to you and it's to not cheat on God or leave God or, or, or neglect God or forsake God but recognize that I am going to love God with all that I have so he says love the Lord so how do we do that because it's easier said than done right yeah I love God I love God that's why I'm here I love God like it's we just love God you know like we're people and we love God, and that's just what we do. But how do we love God? Second point is with all. <laughs> love God, he says, with all. Loving God is a big concept and easier said than done. So Jesus gives us detail about how to love God with all of you. Now, I want you to notice that the scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And then it says, love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Right? That's what we just read. Jesus said, could we put Matthew chapter 22 back up on the screen? Look what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Right? Now, in Mark's gospel, Jesus would actually say, uh, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. What I want you to notice is Jesus adds something. Jesus adds something. Now, let me tell you, only God can add to the Bible. Right? If Jesus was not God, he is a lunatic. Right? If Jesus is not, if Jesus did not die and rise from the dead and be who he said he was, Jesus Christ is a lunatic. Because he is who he says, he's not a lunatic. But anybody that says or adds to the Bible or makes some of the claims that Jesus made is a loon. If you're not God. Jesus adds something. He says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And Jesus adds, 
mind. Let's break these things down because it helps us understand how we're supposed to love God. Number one, he says heart. The idea here is the center of all physical and spiritual life. To say it very simply, it's the inside you. So love God with the inside you. It would literally be focused on your feelings, right? We talk about heart when it relates to feelings. Like, man, I just, my heart, butterflies, follow your heart. Don't really, but you know what I mean? Like the, all these, we talk about heart when it relates to our feelings. And so what he's saying is love God with all your feelings, with all your heart. Then he says, he says, with all your soul. This will literally mean breath. Literally breath is the idea of soul. And there's all sorts of ways to translate and, and unwrap this word that Jesus uses, breath. There's a lot of detail and a lot of things we can unpack. I want to break it down and say it really simple. The idea is passions. To love God with, with your heart, with your feelings, but love God with your passions. Listen, we're all passionate about something, aren't we? You ever had one of those conversations where, like, maybe you're talking with them and, like, it's not going very well because you, you're not connecting? Like, you're just like, I don't know what this person's into. I like to have conversations like that, and I like to try to figure things out. Because sometimes people, like, are real quiet, and they won't talk a lot, and then you'll get to their thing that they're super into, and then it's like, you can't get them to shut up about it. And it's like, I, I've just found your passion, whatever it is, whether it's a sport or whether it's a video game or whether it's, you know, I don't know, fashion, I don't know. Whatever it is, like, you, you unlock it, and then all of a sudden, it, that's what they're passionate about. And what Jesus is saying is he wants us to love God with what we're passionate about. Love God with how you feel, but love God with your passions, with your spirit, with your soul. The third thing is strength. This idea is the ability or might. It literally to love God with your actions and your abilities. To love God with your actions and your abilities. So it's to love God. When Jesus says, love God with all. With all your what? Well, with all your feelings with all your passions and desires, and with all your actions. And then finally he adds, Jesus adds, remember this was not in the original, Jesus adds, he says Jesus adds mind, and literally would be the intellect or your thoughts. So Jesus says, love God with your heart, how you feel. Love God with your passions, what you desire. Love God with your uh, your strength, with your actions, your abilities, what you have to offer, and love God with your mind, with what you think about and how you think about God. You can love God through thinking about him and understanding and, and reading. Some of you guys, you're like total readers. You love to read. And one of the things, one of the ways, it's very few of you, but there are some here, that, that the way that you can connect with God is, is you're reading something about him, maybe it's scripture, maybe it's some commentary about some idea, some book on who God is and things like this, and all of a sudden you can feel your heart growing, your love for God growing as you engage your mind in love. Now, let me say this. These are not designed, when Jesus breaks these down, he says, love the Lord your God with all, your heart, soul, mind, strength. These are not designed to separate us out, but to give us specifics on how we love God with all. Some of us, and this is important that I say this, some of us find it easier to love God in some ways, but not others. So we break this down. We love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I break it down. It's like heart is feelings, soul is passions, strength is abilities, mind is intellect. And some of you are like, I'm the feelings one. 
I just love God with my feelings. Like, I just love the songs, and I just feel it, and I'm like, oh, I love God with my feelings. And I just, when I feel it, I just love God. And then here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem, here's the problem. When you don't feel it, you don't love God as much. You're like, oh my gosh, last week I felt so close to God. And you're like, this week, you're like, I don't know, was something wrong with the worship set? I didn't feel it tonight. And, and so, or, or some of us, you're like, I, some of you guys are like, I, like I, love, I love the worship team, I love the people, but golly, I hate the loud music. And you're like, I just, I just don't like, I just don't like the songs. I just don't like that music. I just, that's, I just don't like it. And some of you, you have a hard time loving God with, with how you feel or allowing the spirit to move in your heart in that way. And for you, you would be like, I would rather just like never hear a worship song again and just read a book about God. Or, 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 or you're like, I love God, but, but it, it isn't in, uh, uh, it's maybe it's, it's with your actions or it's not with your actions, right? You love God, but you're like, you don't follow it through with your actions. Whatever the case, the reason I'm saying all of this is because Jesus is not trying to separate your mind from your heart. Jesus is not trying to separate your actions from your feelings, right? That's not what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is doing is he's saying, love God with all. Love God with every part of you. Love God with all that you have. And you're like, how do I do that? Well, do you love him? Do you think about him? Do you feel? Do you, do you have passions for him? Do you have actions that are, that are consistent with him? Jesus is, is, is saying, love God with all. How do I do that? Well, this is how you do it. Love God with every part of you. And these differences aren't an excuse to not love God with other parts, but to recognize it and choose to love God with every part of us. Maybe, maybe tonight you need to examine, well, first, if you love God, and two, how you love God. And maybe you need to examine, are there areas where I have been neglecting my love for God because I haven't felt it or I don't understand it or I don't really care for it? And you need to, because it's the greatest commandment, remember, love God with all, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So we need to love God. We need to love him with all. And then here's, here's the question that I think is most important for me. Why? All right, any why people in the room? Why people? Like some, your, your parents are like, make your bed. And you're like, why? Like, don't you know I'm going to mess it up again tonight? You're like, that makes zero sense at all. Why am I going to make my bed? That's me. That was me my whole life. Like, I'm like, still, I'm like, don't. Babe, Hannah, like, I'm sorry, but you know, like, I, every single night for the rest of my life, I'm going to mess this bed up. Why do we have to put so many pillows on this bed for me to take off every single night? It's like, why, 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 why? And I think when we, when we get to a, a, a text or an idea like love God with all, love God with all, Love God with all, all every, every thought. Love God with your heart, with your feelings. Love God with your actions. Love God with your passions. Love God with all. Sometimes, hear me out, sometimes that can be, maybe for some of us, kind of strange. Like, that sounds weird. 
Or for some of us, you're like, that sounds like a lot of work. Like, I know my thoughts, I know my feelings, I know my passions, I know my actions. Why? Let me put it like this, and worship team, you guys can come up. I, I like putting it in the old English, but because thy Lord loves. Thy Lord loves. Now, in order to understand this, the, we need to go back to what Jesus said in the original, or quoting what he said from Deuteronomy chapter 6. You need to understand the context of Deuteronomy 6 to help us understand the why, at least specifically to God's command. Because before Jesus said this, God in the Old Testament said this. He's quoting, right? Now, in the context of Deuteronomy 6, God has just delivered the people of Israel out of bondage to the oppressing Egyptians, from the oppressions, oppressing Egyptians, and bringing them into a land of promise. Right? That's the context. So the people of Israel were in bondage. They were, they were enslaved. They, they, were, they were living this life in chains. And God has delivered them. And now he's bringing them into the land of promise. Uh, the, 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 they say in Deuteronomy 6, a land flowing with milk and honey. I like to think of that as good coffee and great food, right? A land flowing with milk and honey. Everything that you need. God is bringing them out of bondage into this promised land. God has just done the unimaginable. An entire race of people trapped, oppressed, mistreated, and in bondage. And God, listen to this, God enters himself into their world and delivers them from their, from their oppressor. This is what we would call a divine intervention. Think about this, okay? There's an entire race of people that are in bondage. They're enslaved. They're being oppressed by the, the, the Egyptians. They're causing them all this grief and pain. They're killing their children. They're doing all of this horribly wicked thing. And here they are living their life for hundreds of years like this. People in Israel in bondage to the Egyptians for hundreds of years. Think about that. You're being oppressed, you're being, you're being persecuted, you're, you're stuck, you're trapped. You're praying, right? If you're, if you're overwhelmed and oppressed and trapped, you begin to pray, God, would you help me? And for hundreds, hundreds of years, there's no answer. Hundreds of years, the people are in bondage in Egypt with no answer. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this guy who'd been living in the wilderness for 40 years comes up out of nowhere. He's got a stick in his hand. And he shows up and he, he marches before the Pharaoh. And we like iconically, he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And the Pharaoh's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to really do that. And then all of a sudden, these supernatural things begin to happen. Right? All of a sudden, his, his stick turns into a snake. And people are like, that's so weird. And then all of a sudden, the, 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 the river turns to blood. And then these frogs come, and these lice and locusts. All this crazy stuff happens that is not normal or not natural. It's, it's not normal, right? That doesn't just happen. All of a sudden, these, these things begin to happen. Why? Why? Because God has just entered himself into the equation. Now, it wasn't that God wasn't working the whole time. God had a plan the entire time. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is that in this moment, they're oppressed, they're stuck, they're in bondage, they can't get out. God shows up on the scene and does the unimaginable, the unthinkable, 
the, the downright impossible. God shows up and he delivers the people from their bondage and brings them into their promised land, this divine intervention. We love God because he first loved us. We, like the people of Israel, oppressed, mistreated, and in bondage, not to a people, but to our own sin. And God inserted himself into time and space and made a way for us to be delivered. A divine intervention where here we are in bondage, trapped, stuck, not to a people, but to our own failures, to our own sins, to our own mistakes. And enter Jesus Christ. Enter the Savior of humanity. A divine, the unimaginable, that God would leave heaven, that God would leave eternity, step outside of that into time and space, inserts himself into the equation and shows up. Why? So that we could be delivered. Why? Because he loves us. God, I mean, when you think about it in, in that sort of context, you're like, that doesn't make sense because that doesn't happen. God is God, and he's way up there in heaven doing his thing, and I'm way down here, miserable, stuck, anxious, overwhelmed, have no answers. And what does God do? He enters himself into the equation. Why? Because he loves you. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. He enters himself into the equation. And so what does he ask for? What does he say? He says, love me. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. We don't love God to earn his approval. We, we don't live for God to so, so that he'll like you. You don't stay going to church or do the right thing or act right so that God will stay liking you. Like, I just don't, I hope God's not mad at me today because I kind of screwed up and I don't want him mad at me. No, listen, God loves you. God loves you so much. You, you could never, the Bible talks about how you could never escape or outrun or separate yourself from his love. And so we, in a response to his love, love God with everything that we've got because he gave everything for us. Love God with all you have. Why? Because he loves you so much. And let me tell you, when you begin to walk out and experience and encounter the love that God has for you and live it out, your life will never be the same. Never be the same. Love the Lord. Jesus says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. Like that seems overwhelming, but then you pause and you look at the life of Jesus and you think, did he love me with his heart? Yeah. Did he love me with his actions? Absolutely. Look at the cross. Did he love me with his mind? Well, he gave me so much to live and think and walk and, and follow. Did he love me with his passions? I would think so as he's praying and sweating drops of blood the night before he went to the cross in so much agony and so much stress and so much, I just, I don't know what to do, but continuing to push through because why? He loves you and he loves you. So we love God. Why? Because he first loved us.